0: Some sisters for movie misters in honor of Enola
1: Holmes. What movie hero needs a sibling spinoff? I'm Katie Rich, and I'm going with Share from Clueless because who doesn't want Clueless for another generation?
2: I'm Matt Patches, and there's an obvious answer here: Nick Morton.
1: Hey, dark <laughs> universe joke? <laughs> yes. Fuck you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, not a joke. Sorry, it's just it's true. a it's a not it's a, a bit dark, dark universe. universe reference.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm David the Seven, and I'm saying Maverick from Top Gun, then Patches has to eat a child's shoe.
3: <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, and I'm David Erlich, and, and I'll go, uh, of course, with Titanic. You just know that Jack Dawson had a sister who, off the top of my head, I. I don't think he ever, I don't think he ever mentions any siblings or his parents other than he's from No, he mentions his dad
1: going ice fishing.
3: Right. His dad
1: go ice fishing in Lake. But you know that he
3: had a younger sister named Danola, this is canon, and she was uh, off just being a little scallywag and was actually on the Lusitania, uh, ironically Mm. enough, unbeknownst to Jack, and uh, yeah, was driving by that night. Anyway, sad story, but it's three hours long and I can't wait to see it.
1: it's on. Welcome to Fighting in the War Room episode 319, it's Pandemic 29, and it is the week of Wednesday, September 30th, 2020, that's the day that in 1791 Mozart's Magic Flute premiered. I really somehow didn't think that 29 weeks was real, that, that really took me by surprise. 29 weeks?
2: I mean, when you put it that way, it doesn't seem that long. 29.
0: No?
1: It makes it seem like a really long we're, time.
2: We're probably a
0: third of the way through, guys. <laughs> Yay.
1: Yay! Actually, the idea of being a third of the way through, that's kind of optimistic. I feel like I haven't even let myself imagine an end date.
0: Yeah, no, now it seems like, you know, even oh. if we uh, just listen to people who know what they're talking about, we're maybe a third of the way through. The glass so. is half...
2: Okay. The glass is a third
3: full.
0: We've drank a third of whatever. <laughs> well,
3: or all I have, know is that for for better or for much, 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 much worse, the... Second act of this story is, and the third are going to be different from uh, the (laughs) first we've had so far. So there'll be there'll be some change. But I I am one of those people who really resents living in interesting times. So I can't say that's a positive.
1: I would love to live in boring times. I guess we did live in boring times
3: at one point. Well, I think that's the thing about living in boring times is you don't realize it. But it's all relative.
1: You don't know what you got till it's gone, David.
3: Gave a paradise and put up a parking lot.
1: Uh guess what? We will still have a podcast through whatever comes next, and David will still read reviews, right?
3: I mean, unless I'm dead. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> well, I, let's be a little more I optimistic mean, than that. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. I don't want to make any guarantees that we can't we can't keep. Uh, I I think integrity is a major part of our podcast um you know we don't take ad dollars we donate all of our presidential salaries to charity as if that somehow mm-hmm. offsets the fact that we've cheated our country out of hundreds of millions of dollars worth of taxes uh
1: fighting in the war room has paid less taxes than donald
3: trump i will say that fighting in the war room as an entity has indi- yes the, the,
1: the, the collective members have certainly paid more individually
3: i would imagine we've all paid more and cumulatively uh four times as much yes. at the very least. My God. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, far more than four times. We do have reviews. I, uh, you know, We've incorporated a policy in recent weeks to only read one review at a time. Uh, I'm going to make a slight exception uh, now in our only second week of doing that, just because we have two short reviews. And the first one is going to lead us to some good news. Uh, in Corky says, David E., get a real microphone. Love the show, but I <clears> routinely <throat> tune out while David E. is speaking. Unfortunately, he's talking a lot of the time, and I don't hear it. Does he have anything interesting to say? Editor's (laughs) note? Not really. I don't know because I don't hear it. Spoiler alert. uh, You're going to be disappointed by my forthcoming announcement. As soon as that talking in the bathroom sound comes on, I fast forward because it's unintelligible to me. Just a lot of Charlie Brown, wah, 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 monotone to me wouldn't it be funny if it turns out that my audio quality was actually flawless and it's just how
2: (laughs) nonsensical uh
3: that's the long con of this podcast you have something beyond vocal fry uh. yeah how awful the sound of my voice has gotten anyway please david e get a good microphone i may not like your opinions how would you know but at least i'll be able to stand to hear it okay so i'm in my 50s and not your target demographic but please consider this request seriously thanks well and quirky a few things. One, everyone is our target demographic. We I was welcome to people say. across all ages, uh, from your Rod patches to your Eleanor patches, and everywhere in between. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we uh, are happy to have you. Breaking news: I have bought a microphone. You may not be able My to hear God. me say this to you right now because uh, the microphone is yet to arrive. Um, David did but,
2: a lot of research in that he signed on to the call <laughs> to do our podcast, and somehow within five minutes bought a microphone that he had just read about. Honestly, that's <laughs> how I made. So it'll every be interesting major purchase. interesting see how it goes. <laughs> that's how I It's made probably going to be an improvement. regardless. Did you at least go to Wire Cutter? Did you go? You read a oh. review. It sounded like you read a review.
3: I read a review. <laughs> <I was wrong. laughs> um and uh, it was about the length of Incorky's and it seemed pretty good to me. And so by the time. We record next week's episode. I should have, um, if our postal service still works, if it's delivered by the postal service, if nobody steals the package off of my doorstep, which has become an increasingly common phenomenon here in Brooklyn, it's about as close to anarchy as the city seems to be getting, uh, I will have a new microphone. Really quickly, we're going to read Ryan Robinson's review. It says a six star for Talenti Pumpkin Pie. This is also important to me with pumpkin pie season approaching. Even though I like to live every week like it's pumpkin pie season. Shout out mm-hmm. David Ehrlich for turning me on to Talenti Pumpkin Pie. After scouring San Francisco grocery stores and bodegas for months, I finally found a cachet and have been or cash, and have been stuffing my fingers. Michael Haneke's now, cache of pumpkin pie. Yes. Uh, well, that was cache. It's language thing. Now, to get those 10,000 steps in. This is an S-tier podcast, ooh, with four whip-smart hosts that each bring a different point of view. It's full of its own lore and running bits without overdoing it. I wish Ehrlich's audio was consistently less awful, per my last email, Ryan Robinson. <laughs> but praise be on Dave Seven for knitting things together. Katie is, of course, the voice of reason. And Patch is a little stinker. We'll uh, we'll have uh, some conversation about Katie being the voice of reason during our segment three tonight. Uh, I do oh. want to say – oh, yes, Katie. We'll get there. I do want to say uh, – emphasize the San Francisco grocery stores element of Ryan Robinson's review. It does my heart good to know that someone who is now, I assume, addicted to Tlenti pumpkin pie is scouring the bodegas and grocery stores of a city 3,000 miles away from the one where I live because I am concerned that people are going to start infringing on my turf – Uh, I gotta hoard this stuff I don't need the competition anyway thank you all for listening thank you for leaving us reviews on iTunes and Fighting in the War Room we are for the most part only going to be reading one a week at the top of the show Uh, we will get to Francis Adrian next week I believe Uh, and anyone else who may leave us a review after that thank you
1: but I'm going to sneak somebody else in there because they oh. sent me a direct message on Instagram. Wow, and It's not a review, but it is a comment on attending the Toronto film festival this year uh, in person, which is fascinating to me. This is from CB Labouche. And I said, I would read it on last week's show and I didn't, but here I am making good on my promise. So I'm just going to read it like David reads reviews. Hey, love fighting in the warm listening to you talk about Tiff. I live in Toronto and I have attended a few in-person screenings. They're a little odd, but also kind of wonderful. Capacity is capped at 50 in rooms that can hold 10 times that seats are assigned very spaced out and ushers ensure you sit where you're supposed to. Showtimes are spaced out for cleaning, so this is the best part, no TIFF lineups. Masks at all time, also enforced. no food or drink allowed. A video greeting from the director, Thomas Finterberg introduced his film while playing acoustic guitar. Fewer award-seeking options, but still some really great films. I've always felt safe, and it feels like a collective effort to keep the theater going and festival culture alive. I watched one online, too, that was basically just premium video on demand. Anyway, that's been my experience, very positive. That
3: seems so good. Uh, the Canadians have heard, their shit together. Let's Who go knew? back to the movies. <laughs> it does my heart good to hear that they are uh, insisting you keep your mask on at all times. None of this expensive no eating allowed. and drink well, I think they go hand in hand. Um, because obviously if you have food and drink, you are not keeping your mask on at all times. Uh, yeah. so that is the way to do it, even though concession sales make up such a disproportionate amount of the money that movie theaters take in it probably wouldn't work on a wide scale but better than nothing and i'm glad for a festival they did that it's good to hear
1: yeah makes me even more excited to return to tiff next year god willing um and now on to the show
3: We are having a pretty dire year for movies. I was sitting down to, long overdue, usually I start this process in August to cut together my my top 25 films of the year video. It is now the end of September, and I've really done nothing other than download a couple of errant trailers. Part of that is the inertia of being alive right now and finding the time to do it. Part of it is having a young child, and part of it is the fact that I just really haven't felt inspired by a lot of the movies this year There haven't. It, the lineup. There have been a few great ones. Um, we don't have to go over what they were, uh, but there have just been fewer of them simply because of what's happening with COVID. And um, it's become increasingly obvious as we get closer to the end of the year that a lot of the movies we were holding out hope for have decided to simply jettison from 2020 and wait for next year. You have I mean, Fast and Furious 9 really started that trend um, all the way back at the beginning of this thing by punting a whole year. And you know, most recently you have uh, Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch, which I don't think it's been officially announced, and I don't have any inside information. Ooh, is this a scoop? No, but I by keep all, holding
1: out hope it's going to show up this year.
3: It's not. Uh, by all accounts, it's going to open can next year, so it's a full year push oh. from where we were, and I think uh, They
1: could get an Oscar if no, they want not have an open. No, they're not
3: going to do that. Um, I think that, because uh, I think increasingly we're also going to find that in January and February, the situation in theaters isn't that much better. I still uh, am thinking, and after watching the fucking Aaron Sorkin movie, I'm hoping that this Oscar season is canceled entirely, but that would probably crater my website, so oh, maybe not. Oh, shut up. Okay, Why would they gonna... cancel Oscar season entirely? I, they <laughs> can
1: go give some Oscars to First Cow, David.
3: I know. Uh, that'd be great. No, we'll, we'll go back to the subject, but – um but it does seem, you know, like oh, so many of the movies we we're really holding out hope for that would come out this year have pushed to 2021, and now uh, it looks like we are really going to get a phenomenal. You know, fingers crossed that that the situation unfucks itself a little bit. We already know that, you know, unless there's a major catastrophe, can is probably going to happen because Venice, they pulled Venice off without. Uh, as far as we know, I'm sure we'll be able to trace cases back to Venice, but um, it hasn't been a news story about, you know, a sudden influx of deaths and cases there. So Ken will definitely ha 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 steam forward. Um, we're going to have a more normal year of movies and there are going to be a ton, a ton, a ton of them. And so my silver lining, hope against hope, naively optimistic take that I wanted to throw to the crowd. Uh, not that it really makes up for the hell that we've been through and are currently in, but is it possible that 2021, Could be, and when theaters need it most to happen, the best, or you know, the best in finger quotes, but like a great, great, great year for movies um, that is just, you know, wall to wall with with uh, volume, if not always, you know, movies. We're
2: going to get Ghostbusters Afterlife. We're getting Morbius. We're getting <laughs> We're the getting Boss the, Baby 2.
1: getting yeah. Top Gun. We're getting West Side Story.
2: The year of movies,
3: baby. <laughs> okay. Dude, let's I know David's really
1: waiting for Black Widow to <laughs> make this year complete. Let's not
3: throw Top Gun into the mix. That actually looks cool. <laughs> but even <laughs> though it's by Joseph Kaczynski, uh, innocent until proven guilty this time around.
1: Wow. Yeah, I mean, David, I'm curious about what it is that gives you faith, like what specific titles are you thinking of when you say this? Because like I think it'll be a very crowded year for movies. I think it, like the Oscars are going to be a complete clusterfuck, especially <laughs> if they cancel it. So shut up! They should not cancel the Oscars. No, they're, they're not going to cancel the Oscars. I but from.
3: I, I am playing a numbers game here, Katie. For the most part, I mean there are movies that I was excited to see that were pushed, uh, but on average, I think that if we're dealing with like a forty or fifty percent increase in the the movies that are out there um, and higher. Quality studio fair potentially. I mean, whatever, that's that's a naive thought. But um, we have, like, an entire year of Cannes films and so many, usually 300 films in Toronto. There are only 50 in the lineup this year. There are oodles of movies that were done and ready to go that simply opted out of the festival circuit. Um, and Netflix Yeah, I think the
1: is, hard part is I don't know what those movies are a lot of the time. I don't There's either. Like, do, do the Coen brothers have a movie? I don't know. Like, but maybe. Well, yes. How is this I mean,
3: good for movies when... Joel- uh, just to answer I mean, Katie's question, yeah. Joel Cohn has his Macbeth adaptation with uh, Denzel Washington Netflix. and Francis McDormand. I want to say which is um, done
1: and just sitting around.
3: That is done, and if it is Netflix, which patch I thought it was a twenty four. I, I could be check. wrong. Fact checking myself because um, I was just saying that Netflix is the only company that's kind of keeping on a regular schedule. But um, yeah. anyway, uh, you know there there are a, a number of movies that right. I was excited to see this year. No. Your, your last night is it a twenty four? Yes. Yeah, your uh, Last Nights in Soho's, your uh, Francis Dispatches. We're going to have another Wes Anderson movie, it turns out. Um, there are, I mean, so many films like the Leos Carrox film, Annette, that was rumored to be at Cannes for years now, but was definitely going to be there for this year. Um, it's is just that a, the Adam Driver musical or something? Yes, or what, what does that um, and that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg of, of uh, I think Cannes next year is going to be wall-to-wall banger, as one would hope, especially because... Uh, um, uh, no, Naomi Kawase actually had a film that played under the camp banner this year, so she might be out for next year. That's an extra free spot. Uh, but I, I'm this is mostly coming from a place of trying to salvage hope wherever I can and playing the numbers and yeah. thinking that, well, like, let me be there a is pessimist for one second.
1: Oh boy, let me oh be oh a pessimist
2: boy. for one second here. Uh, next year is definitely going to be like a It's going to be wall to wall movies. If, if I mean, as soon as theaters years. open, it'll be wall to wall movies, right? Um, how are well, but these they're small have to movies space it going? Out. How are these small movies going to survive when it's every weekend is going to be this like gigantic franchise thing that got blocked up, um, and and it's just going to be every firework is going to go off in twenty twenty one. But when, uh, know, how, are the, how are these tiny movies going to possibly make any money? It seems like this could be really destructive to the smaller def- studios who are hoping to find a breakout between Marvel entries and Jurassic Park hmm. three and all. No, them I, I don't Back see the that.
3: I don't see that being the case because that is already the case, and uh, it's been yeah, the case see, right? in the market for so well, long now. It, except we're starved for that. Like, we
2: don't have any of those movies for a whole year, and now you're going to have the only things that are going to bring people back. And this is me, worst case scenario eating out loud, Which, but like Jurassic Park is what gets people to show up to the theater. If you get something like that every weekend, uh, maybe you still go a few we times already, in a given I mean, year. I don't know. It's
3: been just, It's been years to – uh, since I, you know, <laughs> I hate to promote a piece, least of all a piece uh, that is not on the website where I currently work. But it's been years since I wrote that article for Dissolve about how summer movie season is now twelve months of the year, and every single weekend has a blockbuster. That even the you know the depths sure. of of August. I mean, this is already the case. But we've never had, had the drought.
2: We've never had that existential feeling where we're, like, not doing something and then suddenly have all the options, right? We've never – I don't know such, what the industry is like. It's already
3: such an uphill battle for a – Uncut Gems even, which became a sensation in the indie scene to break through. It's already a dogfight. I wish it weren't and I definitely take your point that this isn't going to make it any easier. But, you know, by the same token, um, the um a lot of the lesser indies, a lot of, like, your – Films that were not owned by an A twenty four, your your cheaper films were all sort of hastily put out on VOD. So I don't know if the volume is quite there in that respect. I think the volume is mostly in the blockbuster side of things and maybe in the art house scene um, within the in between and sort of filtered out. But uh, I mean the Boss Baby Family Business opens on March twenty sixth. Uh, there's also an untitled Tomb Raider sequel scheduled for that for that same weekend or March nineteenth. I mean,
1: they made um, another Tomb Raider?
3: Jesus. And, and I mean, This is the year he's of our going dreams. To it. Yeah. This is we are going to get a Quiet Place Part Two in theaters a mm-hmm. year after it's screened for critics. <laughs> yeah, um, or how
1: about uh, how about In the Heights, which had all those like buzz building screenings in February, where everyone's like, hey, "It's great, you, yeah. I can't wait till July," and now.
3: But it's <laughs> like that. It, that movie is sort of that, and the West Side Story, uh, twofer, for um, you, you know, have both been kicked to next year, and so now we're going to have that conversation all over again. But it does kind of feel like emblematic of taking 2020 wholesale and just kicking it down the road a little bit to 2021, plus a glut of other things. And of course, there are going to be some movies that were originally scheduled for 2021 that are then bumped to 2022. I'm sure James Cameron uh, will happily take an excuse to push his movies another five years, even though they're able to keep shooting in <laughs> New Zealand, and so forth. <laughs> but let me have this hope as someone who is scraping, uh, I don't want to say the bottom of the barrel, but the things that it's I am Dying to get like, on that
2: jungle cruise with the rock. Uh, yeah the the rock was voting dying for a stay in hotel transylvania for (laughs) for what for dogs hotel
3: transylvania for dogs because that that
1: sounds like a crossover i could get into as long
3: as blobby is back i'm there you know me (laughs) Uh, i feel
1: like i need to turn to my my default pessimist dave like is it it feels overly optimistic to assume that theaters will be around for all of this to be possible next year.
0: That's yeah, mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, that's a possibility. i more like, I don't think David's wrong because at some point you're just going to have to dump ballast and things like, uh, the quiet place Two. um, you know, just has to, something has to be in, into the movie, the theater machine at the very start, whether that's, you know, October of next year, or February of next year, or whatever. Uh, but I mean, having a lot of good movies at once just usually means, like, in retrospect, we're like, "Oh man, 2021." Can Can you guys remember the last year that you felt in the middle of the year, like, "Whoa, this year is like happening for movies." I, I feel I like feel we, have, we have we have the. I feel like we have the opposite thing for each one of our top ten shows. We're like, while we're going in the top ten shows, I'm like, I don't know about the this, and then doing my research for my top 10 show, I'm like, oh, you know what? This year actually was pretty good for movies. Mm.
3: I can only speak for myself, but I have had that feeling that would, that we're in a great year for movies uh, almost every year for the past couple of years. Even if the, the best, you know, the, the, my very favorite movies of the year may be bunched, you know, like the best of the best may be bunched in one year versus another. But I think uh, broadly speaking, there have been uh, so many movies a byproduct of there being too many movies that there've been so many good movies that I enjoyed that I, even by July of a given year, I've just felt like there's, it's going to be an embarrassment of riches by the time we, we make our list and such. Uh, And this year, I really feel the opposite. And again, that's not to diminish a lot of really strong movies that premiered earlier in the year. um, And a couple that squeaked through the fall festivals, but um, it's just, it's not quite the same. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to say that I'm right or wrong about anything, Dave, because I'm not, making a declaration it's mm-hmm. more of a uh, semi-informed hope um, oh yeah but
0: well ultimately we're all making determinations about art based on capitalist principles so we're all <laughs> like wrong from the start like who gives a shit if a movie Dave just does well his, or is a
2: blockbuster? Uh beating baton or whatever it's called. <laughs> up telescoping what?
1: rod. Yeah, telescoping it, why are you
2: yeah, taking the telescoping rod out? Um, you know what's <laughs> interesting? Uh, this conversation has got me thinking about. Yeah, okay. So if movies come back and the theaters are open and we're we're feeling more okay with going to the theater. I mean, when are theaters going to open at 100%? I guess that's a question. Like, theaters opening at 50% are not going to help movies get to the place that they need to be financially. And more movies will be playing for longer or maybe not. I, I, I'm curious how mm. the financials of that it is, and, the, and the windows, like, how long does a Fast and the Furious movie play so that everyone who wants to see it gets to see it? But if you're opening it at 50%, uh, it seems weird.
0: Well, it's a push-pull there because, like, you want to keep something in to have legs, but then as soon as theaters are at 100%, you want to get your movies out. So it's going to be harder and harder to have things that have legs. Like, Tenet can play until theaters open to 100 and probably do okay, but you're going to have, like, are we going to have, like, James Bond and Tenet both play for nine months?
3: (laughs) I mean, I I think to that point, you're going to have to... That's assuming
1: James Bond's still opening this year, which...
3: But I think to that point, you are going to have to, your studios will have to push or space out or both a lot of the movies that we currently expect to come out in 2021 for the very reason they've just cited, which is that uh, the movies are going to have to play in theaters for longer. That was Warner Brothers Hope with Tenet um and we're seeing how they're playing out it's not dropping too badly in the united states but it was never making that much money to begin with but uh that is i think what you're going to see and so i think a significant portion of their 2021 slates are going to be bumped to 2022 so we may not have quite the glut that i'm sort of imagining in this supermarket spree of movies to choose from but um i mean it might be more than we were this year
0: there's going to be uh like first everybody realizes that theaters are opening and then everybody has their slate and they try to navigate their slate so they make the most amount of money without overlapping with their slate and then they have to worry about other studios. So maybe we have like a whole bunch of really big fights. Mm. Because like like, Godzilla versus King Kong. Yeah, no one wins if there's seven movies to watch over next Christmas. Like no one wins. So
1: I think what you're saying about everyone who wants to see Fate of the Furious, that's the one that's coming out? um i, think, that was last want to, I just think it's gonna be a long time before Nine everyone who wants the to theories. see a movie goes to see it in the theater like i think when there's a vaccine or even later and the thing that i worry about is that people who want to go see it will be like yeah they'll like they'll be used to waiting to see it at home and then they just will like i think i imagine that's what keeps most theater owners up at night so i hope that 100 percent capacity theaters that can safely be open will kind of bring back that spark but that's the that's the thing that worries me
0: and who knows, that is out of the control of everybody who's making a movie and wants to release a movie. It's maddening.
1: 29 to weeks of this. just something to look
0: forward to, you know? <laughs>
1: 29 weeks!
0: The other day, I, th- I remembered that Venom 2 was being directed by Andy Serkis and was happy. Oh, Venom!
1: <laughs> Did that get made? Yeah, is that's that? in the can. Oh, see? Yeah, we th- can get that whenever they feel it. like
2: it. Well, first we gotta get Morbius. That's <laughs> Dr. Morbius to you.
3: <laughs> uh, hey! Sorry to make this one of those uh, David-centric episodes. I will be brief in segment three, although I, I will, I think, throw in a grenade and then run away. But uh, I have to have to talk about Hades, um, which I mentioned in last week's episode, and maybe at least one person out there, like my new Talentiatic friend in San Francisco, decided to download Hades for the Nintendo Switch. Hades is a rogue-like. Game. Uh, maybe that word means something to you. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, I, I, I agree to Please define roguelike for Katie so that she can stick with you on I, this attaches, you work at polygon.com. Can I pass that baton to you? this
2: is one of those words that i've never really tried mm-hmm. to learn all i know you're is fired. that in a in a in a in a rogue well let, let me guess and you tell me if i'm right in a roguelike game you play as like a third person you're smacking creatures or zombies or whatever in the game but the level is kind of like populating around you right like the 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 levels aren't completely set they're generating as you go and you likely die and then have to restart and that kind of thing
3: yeah, so my expertise is not <laughs> such that I can say definitively that the randomly, like the iterative levels that are randomly generated every time you play through is the defining element of a roguelike game, but it's certainly an element that I associate with the genre. Um, and yeah, so Hades, Hades is essentially a cross between the video game Diablo and Groundhog Day. You play as uh, the son of Hades, the god of the dead, Zagreus. Uh, it was sort of the misbegotten mm, son his name. lineage is, uh, he's a he's a real he's a, a real, I mean he's a character in Greek mythology he was not invented for this game but there's he's not as uh, well known, he doesn't have quite the same publicist as uh, the other gods I don't think he factored into Hercules, the legendary journeys uh, and he is um, stuck in hell with his father and hell is sort of are office. All? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, well I'm getting there, hell in this game is essentially an office, your dad is I don't want to make this comparison, but it just sprang out of me as I look at a picture of Donald Trump next uh. to the Surda sheep. But he, it's sort of – he runs it like the Trump company. Everyone is there and miserable and morale is low. Uh, there are all these colorful characters who work in the depths of hell. And Zagreus every day uh, tries to escape up the four layers of hell. There are four in this game and it was a while before Dante came along and decided to expand the course to nine. And uh, tries to break free, Um, and you die, and you die, and you die, and every time you die, you wind up back in the the little your little bathtub of blood in the bottom of the the pools from Styx in the bottom of hell, and your father is laughing at you, and you talk to Nix and Achilles and uh, and all the other people who you might associate There's a who is it? Hypnos who wakes you up from the bath. The first person you greet. They all have very colorful personalities and you slowly get better and new power-ups and you go and you run again. You choose one of the different six weapons and you go up through the randomly generated dungeons to try and get back to the surface. And when you do eventually defeat Hades and get to the surface, you are granted an audience with Persephone, uh, who is, spoiler alert, your birth mother. And uh, you're only able to talk to her for a few seconds before the river, the the fates essentially pull you back down into the basement of Hades for your dad to continue taunting you and the story to continue from there. And so this is one of those games where beating it is not beating it. And the first time you play through it, your first, your first, uh, until you've actually beaten the game, it's essentially the prologue, and from there it, it begins to expand exponentially. And every time you beat it, you get another nugget of story um, and backstory about these characters. All the all the cast and the characters are wonderfully funny and well developed. It has a big Studio Ghibli feel, which I know is one of their big inspirations, um, but it really shines. Now we through. know why
1: you like it. <laughs> yeah, uh,
3: but it's also just like I have a very addictive personality. I get hooked on things obsessively very easily uh to the expense of everything else uh in this case you know save for my job and taking care of my son but other than that there's been a lot of Hades, which i'm doing my best to turn into part of my job and uh, it has been it's just like a, a sublime game to play the mechanics are so smooth super giant who made it they made bastion before this the game called pyre um they know what they are but does doing but end does it can you it has yet to end for me i don't know if <laughs> it you ends disengage i am, I, am <laughs> I i've played through it i think 80 times now not that i've beaten it eighty times, Jesus. but i've gone on 80 runs and i've beaten it maybe 10 times and uh, i still feel like right because if you die you have to start over well, it's not that you have to start over. The mechanic of the game is you start... Like, it's part of right. it, essentially. Like, when you die in this game, there is not necessarily a feeling of frustration unless you, like, die in the last boss. There's more the excitement of getting to apply what you learned and buy different power-ups and make different uh, alchemize sort of different combinations of your various boons to use the weapons in a different way. And so it's really... Every time you die, that's the fun. But, of course, there's the very on-the-nose element of us all being stuck in hell right now and how applicable the experience of the game is to finding the ways to um, find these rays of hope. And what I found so interesting about it, not to make a sort of hack and slash that's just brilliantly designed, a lot more intellectual than it needs to be, but as, as strong as the storytelling is, but I think part of the dynamic is really interesting because its it's like, if you're trapped in hell forever, is it better to sort of burn it all down if you can and escape it or try and refurbish it from the inside out. And at what point do you sort of make that concession? And it's obviously very in touch with the the conversation we're having right now. I don't want to make too fine a point of it. Um, I think it's probably clear at this point to say that I learned anything or thought in new ways about our current country by playing through a video game because I think that if you needed a video game to open your eyes to certain things, uh, that does not speak very well of how uh, Lucidly, you're taking in what's happening in the world right now, but it is sort of fascinating. What I find is that it's a fighting – for me, it's an affirmation against nihilism. Because hmm. I, every day in our world, you know, I, I wake up, and as soon as I wake up, I need to feed my kid and get them ready for, for daycare. And so there's not too much time for me to dwell, I'm constantly moving, but it's really hard. With everything that's going on, increasingly to feel like like one of our podcast hosts right now is stocking up on like police batons so he can fend off the invaders. Like one is you can't guess which couple weeks uh, and with good it's reason, you know? It's Matt Patches. <laughs> it's yeah. yes, it's,
0: yes, he has a daughter to protect. Of course, it's Patches. <laughs>
3: yeah, I mean shit, shit's bleak right now, but I I think there is it, it's it's harder it's easier for me to swing between the thing I need to do in the moment to take care of myself, my family uh, and wild nihilism if we're all sort of damned than I would like it to be. And there is a a part of my brain, it's all the same chemicals that fire regardless of what it is that triggers these emotions. Uh, There's a part of my brain every time I die in Hades and wake up again in the bottom of hell, excited about what I've learned and, and feeling more confident and more capable of taking on these challenges that, Again, not to put be too cute about it, but I think I can apply that energy to my life in some way. I mean, the like Katie's doing wonderful things and writing postcards uh, on behalf of Joe Biden. Patches is uh, you know tweeting about the dark universe. Dave is always on on the, the front lines for leftist causes. Uh, I've got my hands full, and I I I, th- I think my biggest enemy is self defeat and and. Uh, sort of throwing in the towel, and we're talking even before the election, and all this shit storm that's going to come with that. But uh, I don't know. I think in addition to being wildly addictive, or maybe I'm just trying to justify how addicted I am to this game. But I do think there there is some <laughs> magic. These at, there's something true. magic at work about a game made like this that every time you die, your first thought is not to put down the controller, or throw it across the wall, but to be like, okay, this is the time. Like this is going to be the run where I get everything right, um, and that's valuable, I think.
2: Now we did make Katie watch the trailer for Hades. Katie, are you sold?
1: So, uh, I'm going to ask like the most fundamentally dumb question about it. Like, I thought the whole thing with video games now was that it's supposed to like look realistic. Like when we talk about The Last of Us, but this mm. looks like like an arcade game. Is that like a deliberate throwback thing? Why does it look like that?
3: Well, I don't. I don't know if it's a throwback thing. I think you know the animation style, the sort of sprite based animation style, um, is part. of it's always sort of been the studio's style. They are a very small outfit. They have fewer than 20 employees as opposed to the, you know, hundreds upon hundreds who make a Grand Theft Auto game or something like that. Um, they are known for uh, not doing crunch and for giving their employees forced vacations and uh, being humane about it, which is nice. Uh, but um, I, I think that it's just part of the tone that they were trying to create. It's a very, despite the where the game takes place and sort of the, pettiness and the drama of the Greek gods, it's a very, very funny game. It really does remind me of Studio Ghibli. It has that sort of warmth to it. So even when you have fought tooth and nail to get up to the surface of Greece, so you can see and hug your mom for a couple of seconds before you're spirited back down to the bottom of hell for reasons you don't understand, it's wrenching. But at the same time, there's a sort of human levity to it that I don't think you would necessarily have there would be different demands of the story and and the way that it worked on you if it were photorealistic, um, which probably would have been relatively expensive, but I also think would not have been right. Like, I think this is a successful game studio because they find a way to make games that succeed in the means that they have available to make them. Mm -hmm. And they don't try to, like, they they understand the sort of handcrafted feel is going to be what sets them apart. Um, And I think just the iterative, the way that they've been able to, take roguelike games, which are always about just collecting shit and being addicted to them and graft it, found a way to sort of with the groundhog day idea, graft such a compelling narrative that has the regenerative, you know, um, resurrecting element built into the story. So it makes sense while you're constantly dying and come out of the river sticks. And like every time you fight Hades and he dies, he's gone the next run through. You get to pet Cerberus who sits by Hades side and is adorable. Um, and uh, uh, you pet one of his three heads, and you feed him satchels of <laughs> gross dead fish. Uh, it's cute. Anyway, Hades, okay, is, okay. Hades is a blast if you're looking for... <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, you know, spend some time in hell. It, you know, you'll Dave, have are, fun you playing, and, are you playing Hades? Knows, it'll give you some perspective. No, I'm playing
0: uh, Mario 64, but I'll get to Hades, I'm sure. Throwback.
2: I just finished Paper Mario. Okay. Let's hey! let segment on that. I, How long was I played Wii Party with fight? Charlie
1: over the weekend. You played Wii, Wii on our... Party? Yeah, on our 10-year-old Wii that still works. <gasps> uh, I was, like, balancing, like, people on a boat.
0: Yeah, with, like, yeah. At a Charlie's a Charlie gamer. Just,
1: he just wants to watch me play video games, and, like, I don't know. It's not, like, the best parenting. It's but like but Jabba it watch me
0: play Untitled Goose Game, and I was like, don't yeah. you want to play it? This is the cutest game ever. And she's like, I don't know.
1: Yeah, but she's not four. She's not supposed to be, like, developing her Katie, like, plastic brain you're or doing, anything.
3: you're doing great. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you
1: know there great. are some days when you're just not gonna make it out of the house before nap time and you gotta come up. With I'm about days. to
3: give you some shit in our next segment, but I just wanna say as a parent, you're doing great. <laughs> yes.
1: Looking for my place on the sub lives, fake prizes
0: rising out of the farm. And we're back to David Ehrlich's fighting in the war room. David, what are we <laughs> no. talking about
3: for segment three? I listen. I I already talked about so the show. No, no, and no, no, episode.
0: no. Everybody is very thankful you are buying a microphone for the podcast after the one where
3: you <laughs> talked all the whole time. But please, let's go ahead. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to be as uh, minimal presence in this segment as I can. I'm just gonna kick it off and walk away. But uh, Katie, I have a bone to pick with you. Yep. I I saw and tweeted about. Uh, uh the aaron sorkin movie trial of chicago 7 it's not the point here we'll talk about that in october when it's on netflix uh it's a completely embarrassing movie and i tweeted as such but you responded in a way that i actually resented that it's (laughs) david hates everything season uh and i i i don't want to say i was hurt but i actually resented that sentiment because i thought that i do not ever want to hurt your feelings david uh, you never could. I have no feelings. I, my only feeling is exhaustion. <laughs> uh, but the, um, I, I just didn't think that it squared with the facts anymore. It felt like you were coasting on a, an old persona or rep- representation of mine. And I think so much of what, you know, I, I may be particularly vocal about the movies. I don't like, I may use strong words like calling trial of 7 an embarrassment, although I will stand by that. But uh, I think that, I think that that's not fair and that I uh, profess a lot of love for these movies and that history will prove that in this. All right. Here's case, a I test. Have to be very to right. To, let's see if this is true. From,
2: I'm looking at the uh, Best Picture nominees from last year. David, 1917. Thoughts?
3: Well, are we, we're not limiting. <sighs> I'm sorry. What is your – I'm sorry. Give, what us, is a, your, I'm give sorry, us a what mint you thoughts?
1: on film, hated it or loved it. Yeah.
2: Give it, yeah loved it or hated it. Wait. Wait. 1917. on film?
1: Mitt on film, the uh, the in living color sketch, hated it. It's like a uh, gay yes, stereotype, yes, but I, it's just my
3: brain all the time. I hear I just, Mitt and I just hear Mitt Romney, and I'm like, wait, he started filming <laughs> blog.
1: Give me Mitt Romney's review. I'm just trying to the Is uh,
2: I'm right. just trying to think of some movies that came out okay, last year. So that here's would fit
3: 1917, the bill. 1917 thoughts. 1917. I was supposed to go see it on the no, day. No, too many words. Too many words. That's a lot of words.
1: Did you never see it?
3: I saw it on DVD,
2: and I hated
3: it. Okay. What about, uh, Ford v.
2: Ferrari? What do you think?
3: I, I liked it. I thought it was fine. I didn't like love it, but I thought it was fine.
2: Uh, Joker. Did
3: not like. Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> Did not like, but. All right. End of this. Bye. This is it. Yeah.
1: was not,
3: not offended by
1: it. But I, I you didn't even that. let him get to Parasite, which we know David liked.
3: Yeah, uh, was this that is a rate, rate system. Uh, no, I I just don't think that's an accurate characterization. No, of David,
1: that, I think that's fair because you do love a lot of movies, and I think when you love something, it is really fun to like love something with you as with Ladybird and every time you tweet a gift from my favorite movie. Um, but there is a way in which, like Oscar bait, like you mm-hmm. will see through it or kind of uh, ah. like the, your body rejects it in a way that uh, for <laughs> me, I I, I I feel see like it as a warm embrace. Well,
2: we you should, we make the shouldn't miss the movie by calling it Oscar bait, Katie. What? These are, movies no. are not Oscar
3: bait. Sometimes movies are just like Katie just threw Aaron Zorkin movie under the bus in two different ways in a single sentence, and I'm not stopping her. Uh, <laughs> I, don't I, I am, and I haven't even seen it.
1: I I think Oscar bait can be great. I think Chicago 7 is Oscar bait, and also a very good movie, and we'll talk about it in a couple weeks. Um, and I think, uh, David, I apologize. David, you do not hate everything, but when you hate something that I like, uh, it's hard, I think man. the only reason I you responded make it hard? Negatively,
3: negatively to it is because I felt like it cheapened my distaste for for this. Movies of the movies of Oscar season that I don't like. Um, and and I, I want you to know that...
0: I um, know I use hyperbole a lot, but this time, this is the most
1: hyperbole. Uh, I think I like well, I this movie...
3: I haven't seen the first trial, the first six trials of the Chicago, so I no. may, mm. I may have just been lost. But uh, I do remember
1: vividly point. last year when you and I both walked out of Jojo Rabbit's premiere at TIFF, and Patches texted us to ask if it was good, and I said yes, and you said no, yeah. and that was where the battle lines were drawn. And I, I like Chicago Seven more than I like Jojo Rabbit, so we'll, we'll be fighting about this in the future.
3: Anyway, Eve and uh,
2: I will have our opinions soon, and we'll much, much, decided. much love
3: to all of my podcast co-hosts. But do keep your mind out there later as this season goes although this may be the last oscar movie that comes out this year true. <laughs> may the, like, this season
1: man. will go on for eight man. more months thanks uh, man. coming
3: that i i do not hate everything man. but i do uh, and i say this as someone who tends to like aaron sorkin more than most did not care for this one anyway podcast uh, uh pandemic check and how are you guys doing
1: yeah the Twist that, is gonna be when david says enola holmes is the best movie of 2020 That's i haven't possible. seen it. hey I haven't katie seen it.
3: did you watch enola
1: holmes uh, I watched most of it Holmes um, I haven't finished it yet I was watching it before this podcast started recording um, but I enjoyed it greatly I, I have not watched enough I watched the first season and a half of Stranger Things or so and so the Millie Bobby Brown thing I was kind of like aware of and thought she was good and a child and we all know that I mostly think <laughs> child actors should like be in school you seem to know um, a lot of
2: objective facts about Billy hair.
0: She
1: <laughs> she wears clothes. Um, but she's really good in this this is not an easy movie to lead she's playing like a teenage girl version of Sherlock Holmes basically she is literally his younger sister she talks to the camera a lot she has to like run and jump and be in fight scenes and kind of be a convincing super genius um, which I think is hard to do for anyone who plays Sherlock Holmes, uh, which Henry Cavill does in this, which is interesting. Um, but I like her a lot, and it's kind of like light and spry, and I don't know. It's like if the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movies were like fifty percent less aggro and like with bare knuckle boxing, and like but had that same level of energy. Um, so I have been enjoying it, Patches. I think you've actually watched the whole thing, so maybe you can wait. I in did.
2: On. It's just a really sweet, whimsical movie, as you said. She kind of completely owns it in a way that I wasn't expecting. I thought it would feel. Maybe a little cheaper or a little more cookie cutter blockbuster. It definitely takes a page from unexpectedly the Guy Ritchie Sherlock Holmes movies. It feels in step with that in terms of just it has set pieces. It has the kind of like talking to camera energy, even if the you know they don't do that in in those movies but and
1: there's like animation of word i I don't remember the guy richie yeah it just it has a a lot of bells and whistles and i think the uh
2: the daniel pemberton score in the movie is it does a lot of heavy lifting in the movie it's just it reminds me and this may not make sense but because they just uh american girl was in the news the other day because they're releasing an american girl doll that uh is in the 1980s who like plays arcade games Um, So I've been thinking about American Girl dolls recently. The whole movie felt like an American Girl movie or something, like, Anola <laughs> Holmes like does dress up, and she's on her own adventure, and it's like, she's yeah. part of this um, time period where the, the setup is that she's she's supposed to go to, like, finishing school, and she has no place in this male dominated society, but you know what? She's going off on her own and doing an adventure set against a historical backdrop, but I don't know. That, that was enough for me to think, is this an American girl movie? Uh, a
1: British girl. Jesus, Patches. <laughs> a British
2: girl movie. Sorry. Do, are, that's a great question. Do they have... British versions of American Girl Dolls in...
1: I hope so. Around the world?
2: Them. Yes, they do. <laughs> uh, um, Enola Holmes, very sweet.
1: Also, a quick shout-out to Sam Claflin, who plays Mycroft Holmes as kind of, like, the shittier Holmes brother. Um, I just feel like he was someone who, like, in the early teens was just like one of those like blonde dudes who's like shoved on a third who's in the Pirates of the Caribbean movie he's in Snow White and the Huntsman and I like his pivot it, between this and Charlie's Angels into being just like kind of a dickhead um, it's, he's doing a really great do- great job with it I enjoy um, seeing him find what works for him on screen I'm sure he's a lovely person in person he's a good villain Dave, All what right. about
2: you? I'm turning the tables. What, did you, what are you doing in your pandemic days these days uh, besides playing old Nintendo 64 games? That we'll play old like Nintendo 64
0: shit. games as patches has been alerted Captain America can break doors with the shield now, so I've have been grinding yeah, some American of my break Avengers. Smash
2: through doors. Yeah,
0: nothing nice. like uh, buying a AAA game at full price, only to learn it's a bad game and it's still under development, so I'm not giving up on that yet.
2: You were so positive at mm-hmm. the beginning when David was hating on it, which is not something his personality is uh, like <laughs> to do very often. <laughs>
0: right, well, because I had a great campaign, and then I got Hulk up to level 50, and I'm like, this feels like the Hulk, but now I'm in the gear grind part, not important. Uh, well, I no, watched- it's
3: interesting because it, like it feels like they're still working out the kinks in real time, and yeah. I, I something I just learned about Hades is that it had been on early access on like the Epic for like a store year, right? for like a year. And like yeah. it was only they only had two of the levels and they were constantly adding it, and I am just coming into the finished product, and it feels so well <laughs> thought out and so holistic. And, and Avengers just me, released a patch that fixed like yeah. twelve hundred issues.
0: Yeah, okay. it was like I, an I, I amount of about issues, it And it's not <laughs> the one that makes the same voice lines play over and over when I'm accepting my daily tasks. Anyway. Avengers maybe will be good again, like, come February, whenever I get Spider-Man. But um, in terms of, like, uh, non-video game stuff, I watched uh, The Old Dark House on Shudder because it's spooky season, but then also the world is kind of a hell pit. So I thought, why not roll back to something that I could look at maybe cinematically, not so much as have to be emotionally engaged? Because I like, you know, horror movies where, you know, you're intense and intense situations and you know the movie works and building that tension uh old dark house is not that it is a james whale who directed frankenstein horror movie that is a horror comedy that took place after frankenstein the only reason it's sort of interesting and the reason it's on shutter as one of their uh black and white essentials of horror is uh it bombed when it came out And it sort of got lost uh, amongst the uh, universal archives uh, until um, the like resurgence of haunted house uh, cinema in like the fifties and the sixties and the horror resurgence of the seventies. A lot of directors would sort of remember this James whale horror film that they saw that did some cool things with atmospheric effects and light and, uh, you know, gothic uh, architecture in um, an American setting and that sort of thing. And uh, we're unable to find um, prints of the old dark house. Uh, so eventually uh, word of mouth spread and someone found a the first reel of the film. Um, and uh, that eventually led to finding the rest of it. And they made a new negative from this old print that they found and restored it. And now it's super streamable. I wish it was a kind of a better movie, but it's one of those movies where it did a lot of haunted house things in America first. And because now I've seen all the things uh, that it's, uh, that are ripping it off. And uh, now seems like uh, not very special. Like a lot of the characters are just sort of rote. but visually and Boris Karloff's performance is a mute Uh, butler at this lesser nightmarish house are both like fantastic it's a great movie to like maybe watch and have on in the background you don't have to pay that much attention to it um but yeah old dark house i mean it's uh, awesome yeah yeah it's it's fun to watch something visually from 1932 that surprises you
1: can I say something brief about what you said about it being spooky season? That's not movie related at all. Yeah, um, I feel like everyone in my neighborhood has been like, "Fuck it, it's Halloween now." Like, I've seen so many pumpkins and skeletons oh, yeah. out. It mm-hmm. is still September. Like, we're having an early fall on the East Coast. Like, it's cool. It's been cooler than usual, and like the leaves are starting to turn. Uh, so I want. I don't know if that's part of it, or also like. Halloween might be kind of shitty because no one's really sure how to trick or treat. Um, But I embrace this. I'm really excited that everyone's just like, yep, pumpkins. Yeah, decorations
2: this weekend up all over my neighborhood. Um, Yeah. Ghosts, pumpkins, skeletons in the the lawn. Katie, I feel like you've
3: been on the the vanguard of the are we going to be able to trick or treat beat.
1: Oh, sure. I mean, if, if if I accomplish anything and get people to build candy slides, I would be very happy. Um, but I do think, you know, like, there's a lot of Halloween stuff you won't be able to do. Like, we would usually go to like a YMCA hosted like event or, you know, go to like the ride the pumpkin train at the museum. Like there's I think everyone's going to have to lose something of Halloween that they like this year. And if you're a grown up, please, for God's sake, do not have a costume party. Like, don't do it.
0: Yeah, unless it's over slack. Or something. Unless it's
1: over
0: yeah, or Zoom, I would hope. If Zoom. it's over
1: Slack and you're wearing a costume, that'd be a bummer.
3: We came, <laughs> up, with, uh, we came up with Ace's costume. It is the most obvious and unbrand costume imaginable. Totoro?
0: Uh, boss Baby. Is it Totoro?
3: It's Boss Baby. <laughs> um, it's just him in a little business Oh, it'd be so cute. He wears a little business suit. Uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that, but we will just be doing it for the gram. And Wait, can I actually up? Boss Baby?
1: No. Is he Totoro?
3: <laughs> no, well,
1: I think if uh,
0: Asa was in the wait. Boss Baby suit, you could actually kind of you're pull bringing off it up. Hitchcock, you could say he's Hitchcock.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. So you're mm-hmm. like not going to tell us what it is?
3: No, and you brought it up. Surprise will be on guessing. the gram.
2: Wow, this is a Uh, great segment where you bring it up and you you don't tell us?
1: (laughs) No, it's incentive for people to tune in. and uh, He's going
3: to be be Mank, okay? He's going to be Mank. (laughs) Classic.
1: Maybe we're doing Halloween early because Halloween weekend is a weekend before election and we'll all just be too stressed out. I think my guess is that –
3: well, first of all, I feel like we just forget that Halloween by Dwayne Reed and CVS standards always starts at the end of August. That's Uh, true. I think that – we are all just projecting as far as we can into the future as soon as we can. I mean, my Which local is, Home is,
2: Depot has its Christmas decorations yeah. uh, set up right see, now.
1: See, I can't see forward to Christmas. Like, I can see to the election and no further.
2: Well, I yeah. Wow. I mean, what an upper.
1: I know. I mean, <laughs> just like, it's really hard to imagine the future. I mean, I'm trying to figure out what to do for Christmas also, but it's also like, <laughs> mm, like
2: well, realistically, to be, like, you think the election will be resolved spite, by right? Christmas? Mm-hmm.
3: I mean... Just oh, a Dave, is, that a, I, is that a lost plot point where there's like someone can see into the future, but there's a blockage that can't see past?
0: Uh, that- you get, it's Desmond could only see flashes of the future. Uh, but in order for those flashes to come true, all of the flashes need to happen. So if is Katie there- saw. If Katie saw Christmas and she was right. having a happy Christmas, and in that memory Trump was on the TV, Trump would have to get elected in order for Katie to have a happy Christmas. Let's do
3: I swear that, there's some. I, I don't want that I'm to a,
1: happen. I, you guys can let me have a bad Christmas. Yeah, that
3: Katie Trump needs gets, to have a bad
1: yeah, Christmas. Yeah, yeah, I think
3: fine. we're all gonna have a pretty mediocre Christmas anyway. But I, there's some story <laughs> where like someone can see into the future, but they can't see past. Am I thinking of like a vision in an Avengers movie? Like he can't see past a certain day I don't, or an this event. This is not a good... Anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, me thinking about Marvel never ends well. No. Um, but uh, how are you guys all coping but you also with love our, first, our first year uh, since 2007 without a Marvel movie? I mean, I haven't had... I a,
0: picked a good uh, year to have to watch all of them like three times in a row. So I've been kind of jonesing for more marvel like I, that must be what my playing marvel's avengers slash the season of fortnite really is is mm. i'm just like all the marvel stuff i'm like ah now i'm wolverine ah, it's gonna be five years till i see wolverine again ooh um but yeah i, I guess that is one thing i thought about the you other could thing read comic th- books you know i mean they, yes uh... i could read comic books the other thing i thought about <laughs> is how uh different the fucking stakes are for superhero movies just in like the past 10 years like it was like can they pull off the avengers so now it's like we're gonna give Zack snyder more money to make another justice league because superhero stuff will do fine wherever it goes it used to be like man like uh, a pluto nash and shit
2: i don't understand the financials of streaming services at all like 70 million dollars to make the justice league miniseries or hbo max i guess it makes sense i don't know
0: I mean, it's uh, it's probably going to get some people to stay on HBO Max.
2: Or I was looking at, I was watching a behind the scenes video about The Mandalorian that recently went up on Industrial Light and Magic's YouTube page, which is wonderful. Um, they they did a big like fifteen minute long look at the making of the ship, the Razorback, because they created miniatures and CG models. And I'm just like, wow, so much time and effort and money is put into this, and it was just on. It's just on Disney Plus. <laughs> I don't know. It seems. Uh, I don't know, it live where, on that's Disney+, plus, like, things, so.
1: forever, basically. No, it's
2: true, it's true. I'm just, uh, I don't understand how much things are supposed to cost, ever. <laughs>
0: Um, (laughs) me neither and that's the point patches because if you don't know then they could charge whatever they they can
2: get me Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Well,
1: capitalism is the bad guy again it is always comes back to that It will um,
0: for the rest of our lives
2: (laughs) i want to roll up everything we've talked about since dave was talking about haunted houses and capitalism and all (laughs) the bad feelings i watched um dr sleep this past weekend? Have people seen Dr. Sleep? The
3: uh, I have seen for the all three hours of the director's cut. Oh, you have? Uh, I haven't I, even seen the director's The cut. only thought, just pinging around my brain the entire time, was I bet matt patches with like this piece of shit i loved it i loved this
2: movie
3: um and yeah i definitely got some bad
2: reviews when it came out this movie is from mike flanagan who i will admit i've been i you know i really enjoyed the haunting of hill house and i recently watched the haunting of Bly manor which comes to netflix soon which i can't really talk about but i will say it's fantastic. Um, And he's done a a few Stephen King adaptations, and he took this sequel to The Shining on. It just seems like a really bad idea on paper, even though it has a book. Like, Stephen King wrote an actual sequel to The Shining. I read the Shining,
0: and and that's what made me want to watch the
2: movie. But a lot of people people don't like the book either, right? Like, what did you think of the book?
0: I mean, the the book, uh, the mistake with both the book and the movie is, here's a sequel to The Shining, because it is its own story, about another man's uh, tryst with alcoholism just after he sort of conquered it.
2: Yeah, and and the movie feels that way, too. It feels pretty divorced from The Shining. I read some reviews after watching it that said it was like a pale imitation of The Shining. It's not attempting to be The Shining in almost any way. There are some flashbacks to that pay homage to the Kubrick movie. The final set piece takes place at the Overlook Hotel and was teased heavily in the trailers. But it really has nothing to do with that other than um, it's a grown-up – danny torrance uh working with this other girl he discovers who has the shining and they are attempting to ward off some just psychotic soul vampires soul vampires led by rebecca ferguson in a just delightful role um i don't she know what's like,
1: hat right yeah, she, yeah um, she's called rose the hat or something, she, is. Right? No.
2: she is the hat rose the hat um yeah, the the movie, true to Flanagan's other work, I think, especially the haunting series on Netflix, both of them, um, he, he's able to keep the flavor of literary horror intact, whether it is... For
0: hours, which is insane when you think about it
2: yeah i mean in the in the show it's it 's particularly an incredible feat. Um, not a lot happens in those shows and they 're not like jump scare filled and high tension shows they're they 're about pretty heavy issues uh and and so is dr sleep it's it 's definitely about Alcoholism. It's about trauma. It's about being a kid who can't convince anyone. You know what you're talking about. Um, and the and the movie is quite brutal at times. Jacob Tremblay gets fucking murdered. Straight up
3: ripped apart. A scene. Oh my and god! And
2: my god! And in the well, I'm glad I didn't see the extended scene because I I was looking up like what's actually added to the extended cut. Not too much that would really matter. But a, one of the notes was like more shots of Jacob Tremblay's face as he's being brutally murdered. And I'm like, my son, my son.
3: Um, <laughs> it is. It is truly. Uh, it is truly intense. I mean, they. I, I could just. I mean, it's a small role too. I mean, he's basically yeah. in the movie to be ripple in from limb, and uh, you know, to his credit and his parents' credit, who I imagine are helping steer his career to some extent. You know, he he has not leaned away from roles that engage with the sort of darker side of things even if they often do so tongue-in-cheek but uh it is really violent is
1: that to his parents credit i well, do know a, but
0: there's a mike flanagan interview on the king cast where he's like we cast jacob Tremblay. we had it like set up what we wanted to do and then he just went for it and i just shot jacob Tremblay doing his fantastic acting job and then he made an assembly cut and he showed it to his team and the team's like no you can't put all that in the movie so the director's cut is even less than Jacob Tremblay's acting at being tortured to death
2: wow
1: see this makes me worry makes me worry Just, <laughs> well, I'm sure his about, about are him as a child people. actor or, yeah, yeah like even if he's going for it like should he be i mean i don't know he's a it's like they I are seen this movie. they
0: are torturing him but the goal is to like suck out his soul vampirismness so it's not like there was there's a lot of cgi and score and stuff that adds to it happening but i think it's just (laughs) a child
3: performance uh i do want to say that the the thing this movie really crystallized for me is that i don't like stephen king as a writer uh i Mm -hmm. am very much i am very much with stanley kubrick on this one in that i think the shining is a masterpiece and i think he was right to ditch so many like i i cannot stand and it feels like self-parody at this point especially so in Dr. Sleep. All of the fucking psychic children and their, uh, their the way that he handles childhood trauma over and over and over again. I appreciate there are people out there who genuinely love his shtick, but I tend to think the best Stephen King Stories are the ones that are least Stephen King-like, and the best Stephen King movies for sure are the ones that actively push back against his tendencies as a writer. Because on the one hand, you have like your Dreamcatchers and your Dr. Sleeps, although Dr. Sleep is considerably better than Dreamcatcher. What isn't? Uh, I, Dud It's a classic. But uh, on the other hand, you have The Mist and The Shining and The Shawshank Redemption, which I know takes a lot of shit, but it's still a very solidly constructed movie. Uh, and, And they're movies that I think push against King's flimsier... Uh, tendencies all for the better and dr sleep is just three hours yeah, of that
2: i don't disagree with you. i mean i think the shining and this movie are almost nothing alike and the shining is the best example of taking the kernels of stephen king and, and making something completely different to the benefit of it and this is the best case stephen king adaptation for me dr sleep as a, as a as a big fan of king's uh dark tower series and not a ton of his other books this movie felt like The Dark Tower. This movie felt like there is a larger universe beyond our mortal, mortal coil, and um, but we're only going to see a bit of intimate drama play out and, and really kind of delve into the characters. I was surprised how much time Flanagan spends with the villains who are not all-powerful. It's it's really fascinating to see villains who are kind of stumbling and being like, we need to suck out the souls so that we can live forever, and if we fuck up, we, we get hurt, and people die, and um, that is we have our own agenda, and time spent in their camp, uh, this kind of roving troop of, of psychic vampires. I, I don't know. I found that stuff pretty fascinating watchable. You McGregor is great in the movie, this young actress who plays the other girl. Um, her name is Kylie Curran. And they make such a dynamic team I love seeing them go on a road movie and try and hunt these vampires down. Um,
3: I did that really appreciate so that. watchable. I really appreciated. I, I could appreciate anyway that uh, was it Mick, what's it? What's his first name? Flanagan. Mike. Mike. Mike Flanagan. But he, I could totally appreciate that he captured and stuck to, and as Dave said earlier, maintained. This tone that obviously appeals to people who like Stephen King's books, and I'm sure appealed plenty to Stephen King himself. Uh, I think that definitely shines through. It's just shines. not, yeah, mm, oh boy, um, it's <laughs> just not a storytelling that I enjoy. So but you don't um, like I it. loved. Hmm. I I loved seeing. studio horror movie that was almost completely devoid of jump scares and was really just purely atmospheric i wish they were better and of course it didn't make any money so there may not be a great incentive to make more of them like this but i appreciated the effort
0: uh i think they'll give mike flanagan another stephen king property if he asks for it
1: yeah he and stephen king are like very simpatico right
0: well i mean just that he made the uh what is it the one with Gino. The one that, supposed, that was supposedly
2: an Gerald's unfilmable. game.
0: Gerald's game was supposedly like an oh. unfilmable uh, book that he adapted, and it was actually really good. Very trauma, another very traumatizing uh, entry from Flanagan. But yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see. I'm very interested to see the new Bly House because I think he's just very interesting as a as a director. In that, I kind of don't care what his subject matter is because it seems like he's able to move beyond it which is great. He he knows his lane and he sticks in it and he does it well and he executes. And if you could execute Dr. Sleep into a three hour movie, I don't mind. I think that's a pretty, pretty (laughs) hard, pretty pretty hard task to accomplish.
2: Uh, I guess to wrap up this segment, David, do you have anything else that you are doing with your time in quarantine during this pandemic?
1: Did you say David or Dave?
2: I said David.
3: That's, what uh, That's why he sounded well,
1: so nervous. Let David start talking about yeah. it in your video game.
3: What was the question? I wanted to give you his...
1: Is there his, anything his, else you want to talk about?
3: Uh, I, and there are things I'd love to talk about in the future as a segment. I have only seen the first two episodes of The New Fargo, where Jesse Buckley plays the only Ratchet-like character I care about this fall. Uh, I have <laughs> seen the first two episodes of Luca Guadagnino's We Are Who We Are, which I loved, and... Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to. Seeing we got to talk best.
1: about the Steve McQueen stuff, which oh, is gonna be on Steve Amazon. McQueen oh yeah, ass.
3: that's uh, gonna be on
1: Amazon in November, right?
0: We still yeah. got stuff coming up, and you know we, we got, just, got election season to.
1: We got um, keep us moving uh, on the rocks, the Sofia Coppola movie coming, to Apple TV, and sure, a little sure, sure, bit. Sure, sure, yeah, sure. Katie's
2: gearing up to watch that al- that debate, that Biden oh, and Jesus Trump debate. Jesus Christ! I'm gonna watch this. Zoom scrolling. Sophie. Someone did
0: uh, bring up to me that I should probably watch it for posterity. So if I'm not feeling too angry tomorrow, maybe I'll watch it. <sighs> I'm sure oh, I'm reading
1: a gonna... book that I'll talk about next week. Because uh, I'm, I'm not going to talk about an unfinished movie and an unfinished book. But I'm reading a book called Severance. I'm enjoying it. Oh, The, uh, uh, I
3: don't the one know. that's
1: sort of a zombie book.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's
1: real good. Oh, I didn't
2: talk about the Sufjan album.
1: Oh, I haven't, finished, loose hoof I haven't finished listening to that either. I really am I, not. The Ascension I'm baby. I'm it has a song
2: things. about video games where
3: I, we should play it during the last segment. I've listened pay, to that one. I
1: don't
3: want to play your video this, games, but Lana Del Rey's video games is much better. Uh, I uh, I I could not get through all of the Ascension. I I will not give up. I will try again for Sufjan's sake, but the, this album...
2: It is an album be. you have to put everything aside and listen to. It. Most it's not of your albums album take to, me
1: like, a long time to, uh, to absorb into my bloodstream. He I, still it's, owes
3: it's me so been, many states, kind the of motherfucker.
1: Yeah. <laughs> nah, he's, he, you're never going to get him, man.
3: Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He I also did do listen- an interview
1: with one of my colleagues where he described going to the Oscars as a living nightmare, which sure. uh, is very on brand.
3: I uh, listened through the Fleet Foxes album. It was a real like 2005 up in my Spotify all of a sudden last weekend (laughs) um, with some of these bands coming back. But, uh, what if I, every morning I, I throw a little dance party in my kitchen at eight in the morning to try and stave off the everything as I feed Asa breakfast in his high chair. And, uh, We've been dancing to, uh, obviously, a lot of Talking Heads recently. Yeah, um, we've been
1: listening to a lot of Talking Heads.
3: Yeah. But the one else where we – I was listening to Wild Beast this morning, Fun Powder Plot. It was a great album. Uh, and, or Two Dancers, to the album, Fun Powder Plot. It's a great song. Um, well, I don't know. We can
1: talk we, about American Utopia in a, in a couple weeks. It'll we be can. HBO and we soon. should.
3: But I think that we should wrap up for tonight.
1: Yeah. yeah. We did it. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, Oh shit! Oh shit! You ready for this? That does it for this week's show. We'll be back next week. Tell the people who you are. I'm Matt Patches, senior editor at
2: Polygon. I'm on Twitter occasionally at Mr. Patches. Um, oh, and and soon—not this week, but next week. Look out for New York Comic Con. It's all on YouTube and actually Polygon. I've been working my fucking ass off programming some uh, special panels for New York Comic Con. I did an hour-long interview with my boy Paul uh, Paul W.S. Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson is not my boy. Paul W.S. Anderson is my and boy. And
1: Paul Thomas Anderson is also known at New York Comic Con. Fuck Paul assume. Thomas. Yeah. yeah. All about Paul W.S. Anderson over here. He just time. wants um, to see
3: what's going to happen in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. next season. Paul
1: Thomas <laughs> is in the house. Is <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. still out? No. It
3: wrapped. It's over. It just I ended. Don't know. I don't know. I don't know
2: either. I just I don't say know. Its no finale. Just it. Its finale was like three weeks ago. So you just barely. It <laughs> oh, wow. does, it does wow. happen during a Comic Con panel. It should be noted. Oh my god. Um. Anyway, we also have a website, fightingintheworm.com, where you can listen to the episodes on a browser.
3: Who'd have thought? Uh, I'm David Grohlic. who's to your punk for IndieWire. Writing about some stuff this week there's a little indie scrappy black comedy called the uh, 12 hour shift by brea grant which stars stars angela bettis of may fame if any of that means anything to you i'd advise you to check it out it opens up on friday it was pretty solid Uh um, brea grant mm-hmm. yes who
0: once appeared on this very podcast mm-hmm all Talk right indie film yeah. Right.
3: And we uh, we pay our debts on this show. You appear on one episode hundreds of episodes ago. and We, were we remember we everything ever you, you do. Um, but it is actually quite good. Uh, and it's nice to have good movies to, to see and look forward to. As we said, they are few and far between. Go on iTunes on Fighting in the War Room and review our show. Please, we'll read it live on air only one at a time buy your Talenti pumpkin pie especially if you don't work in Brooklyn download Hades the Switch and uh, tell Katie Rich she's doing a great job
0: <laughs> I'm Dave Gonzalez you can follow me on Twitter on DA7E if you're on that app I guess uh, it'll be mostly aside from me because I am staying away from the news and staying on Lost for the Storm of Lost Rewatch podcast we are wrapping up season three the first weekend of October which is also Joanna Robinson's birthday so she ages into a new season and so does Lost. The Storm the Lost Rewatch podcast.
1: Uh, and I'm Katie Rich you can find me at VanityFair.com on the Little Goldman podcast with the aforementioned Joanna Robinson who talked to Jesse Buckley star Fargo uh, so yeah you can um be jealous, David. Uh, oh my God. They, The power of their um, fabulous hair she's combined just, via
3: Zoom. I think this is so good. How Zoom is she so good with. in everything? It's crazy. She's it's so crazy. good in Fargo. She's
1: Joanna Robinson. Oh! <laughs> Joanna Robinson also good in Fargo. The,
3: the same. The same. I mean, <laughs> Joanna Robinson. Absolutely. But Jesse Buckley, man, she like goes toe to toe with your Chris Rock's and your Jason Schwartzman's and your everyone else who's in that show. There are a lot of famous people in that show, and she just brings it.
1: We're yeah. gonna get there. Um... Oh, and if you are listening to this but somehow don't follow me on Twitter and haven't seen this, go to postcards to voters.com and sign up to write some postcards to some voters. It's fun. Use markers. Uh, if you have better handwriting than I do, you'll probably be even better at it. My mom is doing uh, it and she has different colored pens. Oh, yeah, me too. It's uh it helps stave off the boredom of mm-hmm. uh of writing the same postcard over and over again, too. Anyway, you can find us on Twitter, or you find me on Twitter at Katie Rich, K-A-T E-Y-R-I-C H, and we're all on Twitter at F I T W R. Or you can tell us about your favorite pen colors, or you can answer this week's lightning round question, which was In
0: honor of Enola Holmes, what movie hero needs a sibling spinoff?
1: Thanks for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week.
2: The news. Now I'm wishing that I didn't wear these shoes It's Like every time I get up on the do. Paparazzi put my business in the news and I'm gonna get up on my face Before I turn around and spray your ass with me My lips make you wanna have a taste You got that? I got the bass
1: How come every time you come around my London, London bring one my I'll tell you when I'm done Wonder what you found, poobah poobah, wonder what you found, my fair lady, I'm
2: done.